We are a rising church. Amen? We're a rising church. Been hanging out on this scripture. Uh, Matthew 17 and 20. You want to read that with me? This is the words of Jesus. I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. What will be impossible for you? Shout it again. What will be impossible? Nothing. Now, here's what's strange about this scripture. In fact, I've had people say to me before, Pastor, I don't even understand it. We have all kinds of things. We work hard. Preachers work hard on scripture. Okay, we work hard on it. And sometimes we just get a piece and we just go with that flow. And on this one, uh, how many have a mustard seed? Anybody have a mustard seed? And it shows how small it is. That with the smallest amount of faith, you can do great things. That's, that's what's going on here. But I, I honestly think it's bigger than that. I, I'm not sure that he's just wanting us to look at a tiny mustard seed. I think if you look at the context of this scripture, it might wake you up. I mean, stories are amazing until they get really personal. And, you know, when uh, our sister Cynthia Milford was sharing these stories, they got a little personal because before it was the Pregnancy Resource Center, and now it's about uh, child trafficking. And it's about rescue. I'm, I'm so thankful that people position themselves to rescue those who are the most uh, in, in danger. Thank you. I mean, I'm just thinking, what would I, I, you know, it's probably a good thing I'm not there right now. I'd be going knocking on doors. Hey, what's going on? I take Preston with me, though, I would. And uh, it's just because this is so horrendous. But it's not so odd because I personally know people who have been trafficked. I know them by name. I know them who it has happened to in the United States. Some people say it's not going. No, it's massive in the United States. And, and, and I know of it, of, of things that have happened. I know of tragedies that have taken place in Jamaica and other countries. And, and we need to stand for that. But I, I want to see it stopped. Anybody with me? I want to see it stopped. I'm, I'm looking at the scripture. Context kind of brings it. To another level. So when Kat and Chris said, well, you know, Christina's going to come. I said, that's context. That's context. It's one, one thing to see pictures. It's like when Wayne comes from South America and tells us what's going on in Peru and tells us what's going on in Colombia or, you know, when the Paniaguas come by and tell us what's happening in Ecuador, the ministry that's going on and uh, still trying to reach Venezuela as broken and as, 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 as that country is. It brings context to it. And if, if you could go to this moment, it wasn't like Jesus just walked out and said, hey guys, if you have faith as a mountain, you know, as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And we immediately are trying to do landscaping. We start this Christian landscaping service, mountain moving church. I mean, like we ought to have bulldozers in the front yard. And that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about bulldozers. It's not that he can't move a mountain, but it's just not the context. The context is a teaching moment. You realize that when you go through a struggle, it is a teaching moment. And if you'll pay attention to God in the midst of your conflict, in the midst of your trial, you'll come out with great faith. Just soak in that for a moment. That's it. Soak in that. Don't make me go to the next statement until you've drank that. Okay, go ahead. Drink. That's living water. That's what that is. And I'm looking at this moment, context. You read the scripture, but you don't remember the context. Context. There's a mom and a dad, and they have a little boy, and something's went crazy wrong with him. But it's not just that he's sick. It's not 
just that, that he has seizures. It's that somehow this child has been abducted by the enemy. Now, some people don't believe that sort of thing. That's because you haven't walked with me, okay? Or you haven't been at certain places. But the enemy, let me just ask you this. How many know the enemy wants to destroy your home? How many know he would like to destroy your family? Let me ask you this. How many think that there are a load of children today that are severely misinformed about life and actually believed doctrines and teachings of the enemy? Millions. How many believe that's going on right in the United States right now? Anybody believe that? That's going on. Now, here's, I'll go another level. I mean, some people, you know, they get all scary about thrillers and movies. Look, folks, those things, that's child's play. The things you see in movies and stuff like that ain't nothing compared to what the enemy wants to do in people's life. Because here's the fact of the matter. There is a real Satan. Did you know we live in a highly populated spiritual culture? Did you know that? A very highly populated, you might say, no, I don't believe that, Pastor Rick. Okay, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but obviously you don't read the same Bible that I'm reading because there's a lot of things going on in the spiritual world, and and we need to stay connected with Jesus because the enemy wants to steal our generation. This child had been taken control of by demonic forces. And there was nothing they would, could do. He was throwing himself in fire. He was trying to hurt himself, to destroy himself. And, and so the parents, you know, there were some disciples of Jesus that were there. And so they went to them and they said, help us with our child. And so they go and pray for the child and nothing happens. Nothing. Nothing happens. And I mean, we're thinking about this and we're saying, what? Nothing happened. Sometimes you have prayed for things and nothing happened. I'm telling you the truth right now. Prayed for things and nothing happened. We don't want to confess that. In fact, sometimes we pray for things and nothing happens because we're praying for the will of God and God has other things on his mind. And the Holy Spirit will let you know this. But also, there are other times when we seek God and nothing happens and the nothing is connected to our faith. Oh, you got to soak up because now I hurt your feelings. I hurt your feelings. You know me. I'm always hurting people's feelings. Give the person next to you a hug because they just hurt their feelings. Would you do that? I want them to feel better. Hugs feel better, don't they? Still don't change the fact that sometimes our faith is just not up to par. Sometimes our faith is not there. And this is what Jesus said. The disciples said, because Jesus, he just came to this child and he rebuked the, the spirit and the child was set free and delivered. And they say, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus explained to them, he said, it's because of your lack of faith. Preach that, Pastor Rick. Because of your lack of faith. And then this is almost a... You know, a gotcha. I mean, I mean, you, you like it when people get in your face and tell you the truth. Everybody shout no right now. Yeah, no. But because certain people have told you the truth and you received it, your life has shifted. Aren't you glad? That, anybody glad that there are people in your life that you allow to speak into your life? So Jesus explained. He said, guys, he said, if you had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, in other words, Boys, as much as you have done, your faith is not even a mustard seed. If you had faith as a a grain of a mustard seed, you could speak to a mountain and tell it to move. Because really what he was dealing with 
was situations in life, and this situation was a mountainness. How many have you been in a family situation was like a mountain before? Anybody been there before? It was like it was like so against you, it just blocked everything. So, so what he is telling them is that you're going to need more faith if you're going to deal with the brokenness that is in your world. And now I'm saying, well, how do I get more faith? And some people say, well, just say you believe and you'll have faith. And now I'm going to tell you, just saying that you believe does not mean you have faith. In fact, one guy said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I got unbelief and I got belief at the same time. Anybody relate to that? It's like, yeah, I believe, but I really don't know. I just struggle back and forth. So this is what we would know as a missional illustration. Missional. God is really pleased that you are here and that you are saved. But God is not just into saving you. God so loved the world. The Great Commission is I want you to go into all the world, to the ends of the earth, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So God loves people that you do not know, and he wants us by faith to impact our world. What is our great struggle? Listen, in order to use your faith, you must first have faith. I am so deep today, aren't I? You must first have faith in order to use faith. Some of us say, well, you know, my faith is weak. Go ahead and say it. My faith is just not as strong. Don't, you don't have to beat yourself up. Just confess. It, I would be so much better off if I had more faith. Not one amen in the whole house. Not one. Let me try it again. I would do so much better in life if I had more faith. Freedom just showed up. I want to talk about a couple of things. I want to talk about discipleship. I want to talk about being discipled. That's why I gave you that card. But I also want to talk to you about faith, okay, because they go hand in hand. And And I want your life and your lives of your loved ones changed. I want healing in your homes. I want healing in your marriage. Anybody want this? I want generations saved and restored. I want you by the time we're finished to have overcome your give up mentality about things have, that God has placed in your heart. I want you to do exceedingly abundantly. I want you to see the exceeding abundantly above all. I love this preaching. I'm just going to amen myself all day. Anybody want this? I want to talk about faith, but I don't want to just talk about faith You've already got it. If you've got your notes, get your notes out. I want to talk about faith to faith to faith. In fact, I didn't have enough screen on this to put this slide up. I want to talk about faith to 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 faith. What do we want to talk about? To faith to faith. Come on. Faith to faith. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The goodness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And that's a strange statement until you realize that in Romans 1 and 17, if you look at the whole scripture, it says this, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You've got to get this 
the just shall live by faith. And if you go 10 chapters deep, Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So our, what we're doing here, get this, it's all about faith. Everything we're doing, it's all about faith. It's about faith, 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 and more faith. It's about faith, faith, and eat faith, faith, faith. It's about faith, 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 faith. I'm just going to say faith about a billion times and see if you get it. It's about faith. Problem is, we don't even know what faith is. For us, it's mystical, unattainable. Uh, it's, it's kind of this mythical idea that if I believe in something that I don't believe in, that something will happen. That sounded strange, didn't it? Literally, the disciples of the Lord Jesus. I love these boys. I do. They are a mess. Just like us. You know, do you know that person? They'll ne- no. They were a mess. They were known by those who knew stuff to be unlearned. Oh, you've been with Jesus, but we know that you don't use, but it would be very impolite. But these boys just ain't smart. And so these unlearned people would become the apostles of the church, and they would do amazing things because they were people of faith. Come on, folks. You got to have faith because faith does it all. I mean, if anybody know what being justified is? Being justified. I've taught you this. I'm justified. That means I am as if I had never sinned before. I am, I like it just as if I had never sinned. You like that? Anybody like that? How many have done some really bad stuff? Where are you? Get the cameras rolling. Look at all these folks. Done a lot of really, really bad stuff in their life. But now because of Jesus, you are just as if you had never done any of that mess. Faith justifies us. How many have peace? You have peace because of faith. How many have grace? How many have been touched by the grace of God? Grace comes by faith. Access. How many have access when you pray? You actually get to talk to God. You get to go in the holy place. You receive that by faith. But faith is not something that you get at salvation and it is over. Salvation is acquired by grace, but you get the grace through faith in Jesus. You get grace through faith, but you also get peace through faith. You also get power through faith. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, we have been justified through faith. Because of that, now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. But where does it come from? It all comes from faith. So how do you get faith? How do you get it? How many do agree that we need more faith? Anybody agree that we need more faith? So now you say, how do I get that? Okay. Anybody know folks that know how to get money? Anybody know some of those folks? It's like, they know they can always get money. How many people wish you were one of those people? Okay. Evidently, if you're Bill Gates, it still doesn't fix your marriage. Did I say that? 
You need something more than money. There is something more valuable, and that is faith. How do you get it? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of what? You did not know it, but as I'm preaching right now, your faith was increasing. As you were praying, as you were reading the Bible this week, Anybody do that? As you, were, as you were seeking the Lord, as you were in a group, as you were in a community of people who loved God, as you were hearing the word of God. So listen, people speak words about the Lord. People read the word of God. I preach the word of God. Something supernatural takes place. It's the truth. Have you read the Bible? If you look in the Old Testament, prophets speak and rain stops. Prophets pray and it rains again. It's all about faith. We have to build our faith these days. We need to receive faith. We must know that we know and it must be settled in our hearts. We literally live by faith. We grow by faith. And this church thrives on faith. I'm telling you, I had nothing. I remember pastoring the church when I first came. We weren't broke Broke would have been a step up. And God had plans for us. And our, anybody ever lived by faith before? Anybody lived by faith? Well, God's going to take care of this. And you just keep moving forward according to what God has told you to do. And you trust that his word will show up and he will perform exactly what he always promised. Jesus. That's why we're here today. We need to be together. We must build our faith. And, and, and I, you know, let me just, just, again, let me say just a few things. One is, we, we've studied this, the just shall live by faith. Okay, three times. You can read that. Anybody want to memorize the Bible verse today? Say it. The just shall live by faith. Say it. The just shall live by faith. How do you live? The just shall live by faith. Romans 1.17, Galatians 13.11, Hebrews 10.38 says, the just shall live by faith. You just quoted three Bible verses at one time. And then, and then 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith. And then Romans 10 and 17, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So I'm thinking, if I can do all this by faith, how do I get more faith? Where do I get this? And so, I mean, if it was like, if you were trying to buy something for somebody, it's like you can't already find stores these days. You know, you have to go to Walmart or Amazon. Amen? How many been on Amazon this week? Anybody been on Amazon? How many people been to Walmart? Anybody go to Walmart? Praise God. See, I saw y'all at Walmart. So. so where do you get faith? You can't get it at Walmart. Amazon's not sending me, I'm sending out any faith. You get faith by the word of God. Somebody already heard me. Listen. Now, why do you need this? You need this to accomplish things. But here's something. You got to hear this. You're going to get something whether you're looking for it or not. Take a breath because that hurt just a little bit. Has anybody noticed that we are living in days of great perversion? massive brokenness. Now, do you know why? It's because people received that brokenness. They received that perversion. So you can either have faith 
or you can have faithlessness. Second Timothy speaks, uh, Jesus talks about a day concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and our gathering together. How many by faith know that one day we're always going to we're all going to be with Jesus? Anybody believe in Jesus? No, really, really. I mean, Diane and I, we were riding church again. That finally home song came back on every time it comes on. I remember how Diana's dad had just passed. We got in the car and we were leaving, and that song immediately came on. As soon as we turned the radio on, finally home came on. You know, going to wrap my arms around my daddy's neck and tell him that I love him. And just as soon as we get in the car, after we buried her daddy, you know, how does that happen? The Lord just wants to remind you. You hear that? He wants to build your faith. One day, I'm going to be home with Jesus. Anybody believe that? Yeah, we were at Mark's funeral the other day, and our, and our strength was just Jesus. It was just Stella. The week before, we buried Stella, and it was just, God is good, and we're going to see one another again. That's what the Lord says. But you need to understand something else, that during that time before the return of the Lord Jesus, if you read the rest of 2 Thessalonians, I'm not going to put the rest of that up there, okay? But it's all over. If you read 2 Thessalonians 2, read that sometime. Not right now, but, but read it. Your faith will be increased because you will understand what is going on in the world. The coming, in verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is going to happen. It, it will work in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of, listen, counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. Did you hear me? In the last days, you will see counterfeit miracles. The Lord taught me this in a powerful way at the beginning, at the turn of the, you know, in 2001, he taught me this, that if there is a prophet that comes to you and does miracles, but they lead you astray away from Christ, call them accursed. Now listen, listen, if you're just looking for miracles, just so you know, Satan can perform some miracles. You got, I hurt your feelings? No, he can't because his goal is deception and to lead you away from Christ. I already told you that, okay? But he goes, he goes on in 2 Thessalonians and he says this, that during that time, because people refuse to love the truth and people refuse to be saved, there are people that know of Jesus that refuse to be saved. They refuse. They have heard of Jesus, but they refuse. And he says, because of that, God will send them great delusion, powerful delusion. People will begin to believe a lie because they've utterly rejected salvation through Christ. And, this, and then he goes on to tell us this, and you probably know this. Uh, so then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word or of mouth or by letter. So here's what he's saying. There is going to be great delusion, great lies, great deception in the culture. Great deception. And the only way to defeat that is by standing firm in the truth that you have received. Your faith will stand firm. I don't care what you say. I know who Jesus is. I know that Jesus is alive. I know that he is the son of God, God the son, and he sits at the right hand of the father. I know that Holy Spirit is inside of me and no lie gonna break me because I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he will keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. My soul is well. Jesus! 
Praise God. So you hear all that delusion, but remember also Jesus told Peter, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I have an answer to this. Okay. So how do you acquire more faith? All right. Anybody going to have to eat after this? Anybody? All right. Anybody hungry? Okay. Okay. What are you more hungry for? Has anybody ever been more hungry for the word of God than they were cinnamon rolls? Come on, I just hurt somebody's feelings. Listen, I'm going to tell you, unless you are hungry for bread, you will never receive, come on, spiritual bread, you will never have great faith. Faith is your bread. Do you get that? What? Faith is your bread. Jesus said to Satan while he was while Jesus was fasting, he had been fasting and seeking the Father, and he was being tempted directly by Satan. And Satan said something that seems normal. Why don't you go and turn this stone into bread since you're so hungry? And Jesus said, Jesus said, Man will not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you know what Jesus had? He had faith. He knew who he was. He knew who his father was. He knew what his calling was. He knew it. He was. John chapter 1 says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God. So what is more important than anything in your life? It is faith. So what you need to see faith as bread. Have you been eating bread? Some people look like they're sick. You need to eat more. You got to put some, come on, you need to put some faith on your bones, okay? You need, help me, Jesus. Anybody ever eat brownies before? Have you ever eaten brownies? Okay, you know what brownies are? Brownies are chocolate bread. Sweet chocolate bread brownies yeah my mama used to make them from scratch and she showed us the recipes so my brothers and i we would take turns emulating her recipe all right that's how mom domesticated her three her, her, her sons is uh, well, there's four of us but we were the three youngest so we're young i'm you know we're in like uh, elementary school, middle school, and we're making brownies, Alpha Mama's recipe, because if we made them, we could eat them. Hallelujah. And I, would, I made them several times, and I was good at making them. My brother John, he made them one day, and we sat down after we ate all of our food we could have, our brownies, and there they were sitting on the table, but they looked flat. And they didn't have the, they just, they had the aroma, they tasted, they, they smelled good. So we went ahead and passed them out. And after we, after we ate, the, we took a bite, we just threw them at my brother Johnny. Just threw them out, just threw them right, just threw them at his plate, just threw them right there. Stacked the whole pile up because they tasted so nasty. Because just because it looks good does not mean that it is good. And the ingredients were wrong. Evidently, he had mixed up baking powder, baking powder with salt. You don't want, come on, that's not the way they're supposed to taste. Come on, so I'm, I'm telling you, I want you to understand that when Jesus is talking about bread, some of us, all we're thinking about is biscuits. That's all we're thinking about. We're th- just thinking about, you know, brownies. But here's the problem. We need the true bread of heaven. 
We need God's word in our life without question. We need to be bathed in it. We need every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need the teaching of Jesus. We need the story of salvation. We need the power of faith. We need to know the prophetic word. We need Jeremiah. We need Isaiah. We need Proverbs. We need Lamentations. We need Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua and Judges and Ruth and First and Second Samuel and Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther and Job. We, we need Psalms. We need to gobble it up. We don't need to know about it or just have it in a book. We need to absorb it into our life because without it, you are subject to false recipes. The word of God is your spiritual bread. And Jesus is constantly setting up his disciples. So he says, I got to go to Samaria. And he looks at his disciples and says, guys, you guys, you guys, I'm going to go over here to this well and sit down. You go to the food lion. Because the disciples always thought when Jesus talked about bread, he was talking about food, physical food. But he was regularly talking about his word. Do you receive this? So remember the story of the woman at the well? The Bible says that he spoke to her, told her everything, that, who he was, and, and revealed himself. He said, I know who you are. I know what's going on in your life. I know you've been married five times, and now you're living with a guy. I know you've been hurt over and over and over and over again. I know you've been abused. I know you just can't stand men right now, but you need to be together. I know there's great heart wounds. That's what I hear when I read the story. Anybody else? That's what I read. And then he, he, re, he revealed who he was, and that he was right there, and that he was the Son of God, the promised one. And she had enough understanding of the prophets that she knew when he revealed who he was, that he was exactly who he said he was. And she ran back full of faith, back to her hometown, and shared the news of who Jesus was with all of her friends. And they're running back to the well to find Jesus. And then his disciples come with food line bags. And they said, Jesus, you need to eat. And Jesus said, I have bread to eat that you know nothing about. My bread is to fulfill the will of the Father. Somebody thank God. I, could, could someone, someone, they thought, well, Jesus got all this energy. What's going on? He got real bread. He got heaven bread. He was filled with faith. I, I love this. I, you know, I have food that you know nothing about. If, if we were half as committed to spiritual food as we are physical food, we might win the city for Jesus Christ. Preaching. Amen. He also messed with them with, uh, the, anybody remember the multiplication of the, the bread? So people think he did that just to feed people. No. Jesus came delivering this sermon, and he spoke the word of God to all of these people. And then the disciples said, what are we going to feed them? We don't have anything to feed them. And he said, boys, I am so going to show you something right now. I'm so going to teach you something. He said, just give me something. They bring a little bit. And this happened twice. It happened with a group of 5,000. It happened with a group of 4,000. One time, Jesus broke bread and fishes up because bread is synonymous with food when you read the Bible. They ate bread means they ate food. He broke it up. 
fed 5,000 people, had 12 basketfuls left up over. Did it with 4,000, had seven basketfuls left over. And, and he looked at his disciples. And if, if you read this in Matthew chapter 6, basically what he tells them is, is in this place, in Matthew chapter 16, he explains to them, he says, disciples, he said, they, they came together and Jesus said, I want you to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it's because we have taken no bread. They were not eating. They did not have any bread and they were not eating. And Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourself because you have brought no bread? Do you not understand or remember the five loaves? Do you not remember how many baskets were left? And then he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They, they really thought Jesus was talking about the Pharisees' bread recipe. They thought it was Jesus saying, you got to watch out for the way they bake the bread. No, he was talking about the hypocritical teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. People going through the motions of legalistic religion rather than having their hearts changed and being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. He was talking about the subtle influence of false teachers that little by little suck the life out of your recipe of the word of God. So I get this. I get this because, you know, so many people, the Pharisees and Sadducees specifically, were not concerned with whether or not their lives were changed. They were more concerned with Money and allegiance, control. And can I tell you that there are still clearly Pharisees and Sadducees in the world today? But some of them, some of them are, you know, guys like me who stand up and preach every morning, okay? But uh, there are another kind that don't even claim to be religious, but they have a religion. Because living a godly life is a good thing. Unless you are doing it for show and saying that it is godly. Do you realize there are things that people are telling you that are godly right now that Christians are buying into because they believe it is godly and it is not godly? I'll give you, I'll give you a quick statement to help you. Love is love. That sounds godly, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound righteous? But it is a perversion. Beware Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they will tell you something that will sound good and you will line up yourself with it. Can you believe the month that we're in right now? It's pride month. Now I'm going to give you a scripture. Pride goes before a fall. Pride should I be proud of brokenness? I went into Macy's the other day to buy a pair of jeans. I'm in Macy's. They asked me if I wanted to round up. And I usually round up because mostly it's about feeding people. But she mentioned something. I didn't recognize it. I didn't see anything. So I never round up the extra dime. I just in my heart, it clicked. And then I found out that they were raising money at Macy's and asking you to round up to support an LGBTQ program. And then they designed it as to keep LGBTQ kids from hurting themselves, from killing themselves, from suicide. Now, I want you to know that if you check the stats, 
Most people who are struggling with LGBTQ issues are also struggling with emotional brokenness. Am I getting an amen from anybody in the house? I've worked with this too long, but while I've been working with it, I have seen so many people set free. I've seen so many people set free from same-sex attraction. I know people that have lived in lifestyles of brokenness, but they got a hold of the bread of the word of God and had their life turned around. Listen, you weren't born to be gay. You were born to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I know, I'm hurting some people's feelings right now. I get that, Pastor. That is not true. Your faith is warped because you haven't read the word of God. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees that just try to tell you what you want to hear in order that they can control your life. Then I walked through Macy's and I saw pictures that 10 years ago you would have never seen pictures like that hang on the wall. It was full of perversion and brokenness, and my heart was so saddened as I realized that young children were going to walk by and look up there, and a mama or a daddy were going to point to that and say, yes, this is normal, and we should embrace this. I want you to know, am I, am I telling you about the time of delusion? Am I telling you we are in a day that our faith must be great? Amen. Jesus. Amen. So what is, faith is what? Faith is your bread. Faith is your bread. Does anybody have any faith? Anybody have faith? How many have the word of God? Anybody have the word of God in your life? Anybody have, how many know who Jesus is? Where are you? Anybody know who Jesus is? Okay. Now, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Did he not? So if you have faith, then you're supposed to always share your faith. You're supposed to be faith sharers. Now, the absence of sharing your faith is allowing people to starve to death. Do you get that? Share your faith. What does that mean? Do I need to go up and tell people they need to get, give their life to Jesus? I'm not telling you that. What I'm telling you is that what bread you have received, you're to break it and to share it. You're to break it and to share it. I'm so thankful I'm saved. But... Our purpose, you need to understand this, God never called you just to get people saved. He also called you to build one another's faith. Notice Matthew 20, 18, 18, 19, 18, 28, 19 through 20, therefore go, just before he left, go and make disciples. Did you hear that? How many have ever talked to somebody about Jesus and then never gave their life to Jesus? Anybody? Anybody ever done that? Okay. That doesn't mean you had a bad day. You talk to people about Jesus because you need to share with people who are dying of spiritual starvation who Jesus Christ is. That is rich. You just keep talking it up. You keep sharing the word of God. You see, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And we're saying, okay, what does that mean? Okay, it's baptizing. It is Father, Son, the Son, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, but it is more. Making disciples is immersing people in the Father and the Son and the Spirit, immersing them in the teaching of Christ, showing them, walking through it, showing them what it means to have the Holy Spirit with them, showing them how to be free from the chains of this world, showing them how 
how to walk in a way that will glorify the Father. And the church that is making a difference in the world is a church that is transforming neighborhoods and sharing the bread of God's word. Praise Jesus. Okay, I need to be finished. I know that. So I, I, I got to get out the door, but I got to share some faith here. I'm going to tell you three things swiftly before we leave, and then we're going to pray. Okay? We'll receive communion in a moment, and we're going to pray. So everybody say discipleship. discipleship. Okay, I gave you a card that has to do with discipleship. I want you to look at the card, and I want you to say where, I want you to look at that card and ask yourself, when it comes to my faith, what level am I in, this, in discipleship? Am I just at that early discovery place where I'm trying to find out who Jesus is? Am I trying to know him? Am I at the place on the other end of the spectrum of I'm ready to go and I need instruction on how, how to go and how to disciple others? Where am I? I want you just to consider it for a moment. Where are you? Because when you were at a church like this, all kinds of people walk in the door and we need to make sure everybody is discipled. Now, when I tell you to look at that card and consider it, I want you to tell you the urgency that I have. When I look at this teaching, what I find out is that making disciples is a mandate from the Lord Jesus. Hey, Cliff and Renee over here, they do kinship regularly, and we're so grateful for that and what God's doing with our Thursday night deal and what else he's going to do in small community. But Cliff and Renee really have nothing else to do in the world but kinship. That was sarcasm, all right? They do it because the call of the Lord that is upon them is because they understand that there are Christians that are outside of fellowship, outside of Konania, and they need to deeply eat the bread of the Word of God. And so people gather, and they soak in the Word of God, and they soak in praise, and they grow. And Cliff will come by and talk to me and say, Pastor, things are happening with this group of people, and we'll celebrate about what God is doing it's called discipleship. It's what it is. It's called discipleship. But if we call it discipleship, people go, ah, discipleship. I don't want to be a part of it. We call it kinship. People maybe get involved. So call it what you need to call it. It is a mandate. People have to know who Jesus is. They have to know how to have access to Jesus. They have to know about the work of the Holy Spirit. They have to know the word of the living God. They have to know how to pray, how to connect, how to win their world. They have to know. Now, you may not know this, but I have an incredibly successful marriage. I thought I'd bring that up on my anniversary date with my wife sitting here. It's... Hopefully, I'll get some pats on the back later for saying that. So I'm going to tell you, we are really good at being married. If anybody ever comes to you and tells you that Rick Hocker left Diana, laugh in their face because they're lying to you. Because listen, it will never happen. You say, Pastor, you don't know. I've seen some really bad stories, some really good people. You don't know my story. And, you know, it was just amazing because Diane and I got, you know, we were girlfriend and boyfriend when we were kids. And uh, she was my girlfriend when she was 14 years old. And uh, so we were just so smart and so intelligent. And we loved Jesus. And we just knew everything about marriage from that's such a lie, isn't it? You know that's not true. 
But we were so blessed. You know, when my mother had passed, my mom and dad had been married for 44 years when my mother passed away. But we watched as our parents loved and served God. You know, as, as, a, as a husband, as a father, I had two of the greatest examples in my father and my father-in-law who loved God, served God, prayed to the Lord, prayed with me, taught me about... I'm so blessed. I was so... It's like, I don't know if you realize, but as a man of God, as a husband, I am spiritually fat. I have so much inside of me. And people say, Pastor, you got to talk to you about marriage. Yes, but do you want to eat what I have to serve you? Do you want to receive it? Because if you'll receive it, if you'll receive what I know from the word of God about your marriage, if you'll say yes and amen and you'll act upon it, God will change your marriage. Because I know what I'm talking about right now. Jesus. But some people are content with their deception. I'm preaching. Jesus. But discipleship is a mandate. I tell you things from this pulpit that you don't necessarily agree with. But I tell you anyway because discipleship is a mandate. I don't have the right to flip things around. I know there are pastors that are playing like with, you know, this month. They're just kind of playing and going through it. I love people that are struggling in same-sex relationships. I love them dearly, and I care for their soul, and I won't abuse them, and I won't hurt them. But I will tell them the truth because I love them so much. I want them to be set free from that bondage. Discipleship is a mandate. So when I tell you that, I want to tell you this. If you have received Christ, you need to share what you have. You say, well, I'm, I'm not going to lead a class. I'm not asking you to lead a class. You know, they didn't have classes when the first church started, did they? They just got together in the house, and they prayed together, and they talked about the Lord. Why aren't you doing something? Do that with your family. Do it with your kids. Hey, it's prayer time, kids. I know, but no, something's on Netflix. Well, that's why you can watch it later. But right now, we're going to talk about the Lord, and we're going to pray, and we're going to read some scriptures. Really? We have to read scriptures? Yes, we have to because you're hungry. Not only do you read scripture, but you also have to eat. Eat your dinner at night, and you also have to go to bed and get up, and you have to do your homework. But I'm going to disciple my family. I'm going to tell them about the love of Jesus. I'm going to tell them who Jesus is. I'm going to tell them about righteousness and godliness. It's a mandate. But also remember, making disciples is more than just believing. You don't just say it, you also live it. Lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Lay aside these things, but fill yourself with the implanted word that will save your souls. I know I'm preaching a while, but it's my anniversary. I can preach as long as I want to today. So, Do it. Live it. Hold one another accountable to it. Confess it to each other. It's not just believing, it's taking action. Remember who you are. Listen, when you leave this house, don't forget who you are. James chapter 1 says, says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he is. 
All right, I'm, I'm done. Somebody come and play some music, okay? Thirdly and finally, teach people what you have learned. Become a teacher. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, My dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. It's called passing the faith along. I did this really cool thing. I don't know if you noticed. I pass out sermon notes every Sunday. Do you know who prints, you know who prints those out? I do. I do. I finish up my work and then I get all the scriptures and put them on there. You know, those things that you use to, as a napkin, you know, those, those things that you can wad up and throw at each other. We also leave some ink pens out too. Do you know why? Because I want to teach you. You might say, Pastor, I don't need notes. Oh, you have a photogenic memory. That's what it is. Anybody have Bibles, those little leather-bound books, you know, that have pages in them and all the books of the Bible? Or maybe it's too difficult. You know, I, I got pretty fired up today. I know I preached for a little while, but I'm not making any excuses. I mean, you'll watch a movie for two and a half hours and say, what? It's already over? <laughs> Yet I'm giving you the word of life. I know you would hear better if I was screaming and hollering more. If I had a few more has in my voice, you know. Anybody remember that, you know? When I grew up, man, all the preachers, they always, well, it got said, You had thought they were going to pass out right there. I think some of them did. I don't think it was the Holy Ghost. I think they just, they just fell over. And I don't mind if they're screaming and hollering as long as they are truly teaching the Word of God. I, I'm not too upset about mannerisms. I don't care if there's somebody standing over here reading the whole Bible verse while I expound on it. I don't care how it happens as long as it is the true Word of God. But you have to teach others. You have to teach your family. You have to teach your community. You have to teach each other. I am discipled constantly. I never stop being a disciple. I read. I listen. I, I listen to other ministers. I, 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 my, my, my Kindle is full of good, godly books that I get to read and focus on. And then I listen to you and you come and tell me what God is telling you. And I get enriched and my faith is increased. I'm telling you all of this because you need to check a box. You need to start a group. Listen, you need to check a box. I gave you cards. You need to start a group. You need to have some time together with others. You've got to get bread, and you've got to get the bread out. And that's the truth of God's word today. So let's give thanks to the word of God for his word. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Anybody ever get that gnawing in your stomach, like after second service, like, I really got to go eat? Anybody ever get that gnawing? Or maybe during the week, you ever get that gnawing in your stomach, and you just know, I'm hungry. I really need to eat. And then you look and say, how long has it been since I ate? And you think, well, I just ate a few minutes ago. Why am I hungry already? I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes that's not a physical hunger that you're feeling. Just gave you a word from the Lord. Oftentimes when you're feeling hunger, Jesus said this to the disciples. 
It's in different versions. It's written different ways. But it was this. Remember that boy that they couldn't get set free? And Jesus said to them, he said, guys, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. And then Jesus went on and he said something like this. That'll be it. This kind doesn't go away except by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Seeking the Lord. So here's what I'm calling you to. As we look forward to mission in our church and reaching our community, we've had so many people come to the Lord Jesus. We've had so many new members, so many new folks. Here's the deal. I'm ready to see people set free. Anybody with me? I'm ready to see us discipled, but I'm ready to see us prayer. Anybody want to join me with prayer sometime? Anybody like to just come and come to church? Anybody want to come and pray with me? Wave at me. Anybody just want to come and pray and seek the Lord? How many would like to see families set free and marriages set free? And how many would like to see revival take place in our community? Would you like that? How many need things to happen in your own home right now? Anybody need some stuff and some miracles in your own house? Okay, stand with me if you would. Stand with me. Take the communion in your hand. Thank you, my love. And open it. Now, if you open the bottom of it, a piece of bread will fall out. What did I say would fall out? What? What is your bread? That's right. Jesus said, or John wrote in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So what are you holding in your hand right now? the word you're not supposed to eat this just because okay it's communion time let's all eat some stale bread and drink some juice no it is because you need to know who you are man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God Today, you're going to receive this. Anybody remember manna in the Old Testament? Manna, it was the bread that Israel ate and they were never sick and their clothes didn't wear out and they didn't, it just tasted sweet. It was good. Really, the word manna means what is it? (laughs) Because they knew it wasn't really bread. You know what they were receiving? They were receiving the word of God. Anybody tired? You need an energy piece of bread. And then you need an energy drink. The blood of Jesus Christ. The atoning sacrifice. So we hold in our hand the word of God. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. This is about my sacrifice. My body broken for you. This bread. He had taught them over and over and over about bread. Guys, get it this time. This bread. Don't stop eating my word. Your faith will grow and you will see miracles and mountains will move. Father, we thank you for this bread. And we receive it. The bread of Christ. The word of God. Your broken body in Christ's name. Receive the bread. And this cup, this cup is the blood of the new covenant. Somebody say new covenant. Some of you don't know what I'm saying when I say new covenant. The old covenant was the covenant of Moses. They would take lambs and they would kill them. They would take the blood and they would sprinkle it upon the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. But now Jesus became our Passover lamb. He ascended to heaven 
and he came as the Passover lamb. His blood is spilled there and he sits down. Never does another lamb have to be sacrificed because all the lambs before it were a failure. Jesus removes our sin once and for all. Does anybody believe what I'm saying? Anybody believe that? Then by your faith as you receive this, we celebrate our salvation because of the blood of Jesus. Anybody have that faith? I receive the blood of Christ. I receive the sacrifice of Jesus. I declare that Jesus is my Lord. I believe. I know. I stand in faith in the word of God as I receive the cup. Receive the cup. Now let's all give him thanks. Everybody in the house, give him thanks. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. With the cards that I've given you at the conclusion of the service in the same way that you give your offerings on the way out the door, at the conclusion of the service, I, I'm not concluding yet, but at the conclusion of the service, take those cards and drop them in a basket or in a box so we'll know how we can serve you if those cards are relative to your situation. But now I want to pray for people that your faith would be increased. Does anybody want this? I want to pray for you that your faith would be increased. I want spirit life to come and stand with me as we pray for your faith to be increased. Praise you, Father. As you have received this word that your faith would be increased, that you would go in power. We may even speak to you because some of your faith may be a struggle because you don't have faith in certain areas of your life. Sin, the curse of sin can be broken. Listen, the power of darkness can be defeated now in the name of Jesus. So my people who are coming on Spirit Life Team have prepared themselves so that they can pray with you and talk with you. So whatever your need is, we're going to pray. Now, if you have not given your life to Jesus, today is a good day for bread. You've already surrendered. Perhaps you received this communion. I want you to declare your salvation. Would you do, do it? Lord, I thank you for saving me. Everybody, come on. We thank you for saving us. Thank you for saving me. Somebody, for the first time in your life, you're going to say this. Father, I thank you for receiving me as your child. I thank you. I thank you for the work of Jesus on the cross. I thank you for his broken body. And I know that I'm saved by grace through my faith in the Lord Jesus and his perfect work. And those of you who are giving your life to Jesus, I also want you to come forward so that we can pray for you. You can begin to come forward. Whoever you are, you need your faith to increase. you got issues going on in your home. You need prayer for your home, for your family. There's a struggle in your life. You need healing in your body. You have questions about your faith, your ministry, your calling. You can begin to move forward now. And we will pray with you as well. We'll pray with you. I have several more that you can come to. And we'll even do it as we dismiss. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for the things that have been settled in heaven. We thank you, Father, because our faith is greater than it was before. And I bless my family. I bless them. Father, I ask that your spirit would rest upon them and that your bread would come alive. I pray that they would grow strength. They would grow in faith. And I say mountains will move as our faith increases. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stay up here for prayer. You can pray on your own right there at your seat for as long as you choose. Listen, let me bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Go in the peace of the Lord and walk in faith.
God bless you. Be dismissed when you choose. You can come for prayer whenever you choose. God bless you.